0: We were praying this morning that the uh, place would feel thick with the presence of the Holy Spirit and I think we experienced some of that, so bless the Lord for that. Good morning everyone, my name is Jaime. I'm one of the pastors here at Chatham Community Church and. I'm glad y'all are here this morning. I'm glad to see some faces I haven't seen in a while or have never seen. So if that's you, if you're a guest, or if it's been a while since I've seen you, welcome. We're so glad you're here. At the end of the service, I'm going to be in the back. Come say hi. I'd love to hear a little bit about what you've been up to in life, if I haven't seen you in a while, or how you found us, if this is your first time with us. And uh, I will join in the uh, sort of chorus of welcome and celebration that we have uh, Curtis and Maggie Stith with us here this morning, Uh, a longtime part of our family and family. uh, crucial part of uh, the start of Pittsburgh and uh, seeing it grow into what it's become. And they're now part of a church plant up in D.C. and we're praying for even more fruit uh, than what they experienced here up in D.C. So glad to see you guys and blessings on you as you continue in that work. Uh, it's the start of the new year and uh, as a society we kind of have these Patterns that we participate in at the start of the new year, and even as the previous year is ending, some might even call them societal rituals. You may have seen some of these things, are seeing them, and may continue to see them for a little bit uh, longer. They express themselves in phrases like, 2023 will be my year. Or you may see people talking about the kinds of resolutions they're making, the things they're committing to for this year, things that they want to accomplish, things that they want to attempt. Some people even have a word of the year or a phrase of the year, something that's going to guide them or sort of be a refrain for them throughout the year. And though we may soon see people post things like, 2024 is definitely going to be my year. And though statistically, most people aren't going to see their resolutions through the pattern that it, the, or what's behind these patterns, what's behind these rituals is not bad, Is actually quite good because it comes from a desire to be part of something good as the year is starting. And part of something good in the year that's ahead, whether that is to experience something good in your life, or be part of bringing about something good, or accomplishing something, or hitting a goal, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's totally fine to have those sorts of aspirations because it can bring some motivation, some energy, and it can help guide some of that energy as the year begins. And what we want to do at Chatham Community Church is add something To that start of the year energy. We want to add something to that. Uh, What if, in addition to following through on all the best of your resolutions, if you have them, what if, in addition to 2023 being your year, what if, in addition to all that, you experience 2023 as the year of the Lord's favor? What if you experienced it as the year of the Lord's favor? A year in which you experienced a growing nearness with God, a year where you grew in your understanding of your sense of belovedness, a year in which you received more and more of his blessing, where you developed more and more into the person you were made to be and contributed more and more good to the people around you. What if 2023 were filled with that? What if that were your 2023? Today, we kick off a series that we've titled Living Supernaturally here at Chatham Community Church. And when we talk about living supernaturally, we don't talk about living sort of blissed out on an astral plane, completely disengaged from the stuff that's going on in this world. Rather, living supernaturally is living our lives, partnering with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit who dwells in each one of us who call on Jesus as Savior and Lord when we partner with Him and everything we dedicate ourselves to. We spent a few weeks last year talking about the Holy Spirit. It was a series that we titled Holy Spirit Presence, Power, and Purpose. And if you weren't here with us during that time or missed a few weeks or maybe need a refresher, I want to encourage you to go to our website, listen to the sermons, watch the sermons. Some of them are recorded. Uh, It's it's a great way to sort of get a refresher. Uh, You don't need to have been here or have heard them in order to track with this series, but it might be helpful for some of us. I do want to share a few things that we said early on in that series as a refresher. Uh, many Christian communities, maybe even some of the ones we've been part of, don't talk a lot, a lot about the Holy Spirit. They avoid talking about the Holy Spirit. And there are lots of reasons why churches and people avoid talking about the Holy Spirit. For some, the Spirit is hard to conceptualize, it's hard to picture the Holy Spirit, right? We can picture God the Father. Right? And some of us, whether this is accurate or not, will picture God the Father as an old man with a long white beard. Right? I think I just described the picture for many of us. Maybe face invisible, maybe face visible. It's not hard to conceptualize the idea of a first century Jewish man in Palestine. That's not a hard image to conjure up. But the Holy Spirit, that's a bit harder to conceptualize. We, we don't really have a parallel for that one. There is stuff in the Christian world that gets associated with the Holy Spirit that is sometimes weird. It's a little out there. And sometimes the way it gets talked about is in hushed tones, as if it's only for a certain group of people. And sometimes there's a lot of abuse, misuse, and misattribution that gets attached to the Holy Spirit. It's wrongfully connected to the Holy Spirit, so it puts us off on talking about the Holy Spirit. In addition, the roles that we connect to the Father and the Son, right, creation and formation and salvation, seem really important. And because we don't talk about it a lot, the role of the Holy Spirit feels a little bit less clear to us. And it may lead some of us to think of the Holy Spirit as kind of a junior member of the Trinity, if we even have a concept of the Holy Spirit as God at all. But the Holy Spirit is not a junior member of the Trinity, The the Spirit is equal in glory and co-equal in majesty with the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the one that is present with us at all times. With Him, we get to live supernaturally, and that's essential, not just to experience a year of the Lord's favor, but to experience any time as a time of the Lord's favor, Jesus connects living supernaturally to the year of the Lord's favor in one of his earliest uh, teachings or one of his earliest, the earliest events in his public ministry, and we're going to look at that today. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. We're going to read starting in verse 14. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it on the screen. If you are new and don't happen to own a Bible, please come talk to me after the service. I'd love to hand you a Bible. So you can look up uh, the passage if you'd like to follow along, and if not, it's going to be on the screen In just a second, Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Here it goes. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus has come back to his hometown. This is the place where people saw him grow up, where he was likely part of the synagogue community. It's possible that he has read scripture before in the synagogue. But on this day, something is different. Something has changed because when Jesus is done reading the scripture, he starts by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What he's read, what he's just finished reading, talked about people in desperate and dire situations receiving relief. The poor, the oppressed, the prisoners, the blind, receiving relief. Things were going to start to go well for them, but not just for them. There was a general declaration that things were going to go well for everyone, right? The year of the Lord's favor was going to be upon people. He's inaugurating something new. What he read talked about being set aside for something special, for a particular mission. That's what it means when it says anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. Jesus appropriates this statement, this reading, for himself. And what he does by saying that today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing is not only appropriated for himself, but he's saying these things are now real. Real. These things are now true. Something is being inaugurated. Things are now different in operation. Something that the people had been waiting for, something that they had been longing for, something that they had been expecting but hadn't come has now come to pass. It's now in play. It is now realized. Jesus' statement, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing is authoritative. It's weighty. Now where is this coming from? Because something is different. Something has changed since Jesus was last here in Nazareth reading scripture in the synagogue. Well, the clue is right at the start of the passage. It said that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. What's changed is that Jesus is living supernaturally. Jesus is living supernaturally. That's part of what leads him back to Nazareth to make these authoritative declarations, to inaugurate the year of the Lord's favorites that he's living supernaturally. He's living in the power of the Spirit. Now, many people read the Jesus narratives or hear the Jesus narratives, and when they encounter something that feels like an invitation or an encouragement to live that kind of way or try those kinds of things, they may say things like, well, that was okay for Jesus, or Jesus could do those things, but that's because Jesus is God. And so we write a lot of Jesus' life and the way he operated among people off as him being God, I think that's a misreading of the passage. I think we miss something when we read things that way. One of my old professors is fond of saying uh, and fond of encouraging people to consider that actually most of Jesus' life, most of what we read in the Gospels that Jesus says or does is not done out of his godness, but actually out of his spirit-empowered humanity. Most of what Jesus does is not done out of his godness, but out of his spirit-empowered humanity. That's part of the reason why he's able to send out his disciples to do some of the things he did. That's part of why he says things like, greater things than these you will do. It's because he's lived his life out of his spirit-empowered humanity. He does these things, the things he does and the things he says here, not because he's God, but because he's living supernaturally. There are two events during his time away from Nazareth, uh, for, during his time away from his hometown, that set the stage for what he says in this passage for him living supernaturally. The first is his baptism. Jesus goes to John the Baptist, uh, who has been baptizing people. He's been baptizing them into repentance. Now, when people are baptized into repentance, part of what they were doing is they were saying, here are all these choices and all this way of living that I've been carrying out that has been not in line with what God wants. And I am turning away from that. And I am turning towards the way God wants us to live, the way God wants me to live. I am aligning my life with God's will and God's purpose, with God's path. I'm going to walk God's path. Now, we don't think there's anything Jesus has done that he needs to sort of reject. But in baptism, what he's doing is he's embracing the call to walk the path of God. He's saying, yes, For my whole life, I will align with God's path. I will align with God's will. I will surrender the desires that I may have as a human being that are contrary to what God wants to embrace, God's good will. He is surrendering himself to the mission that is being set before him and will be set before him. And he lays a path for us. Living supernaturally starts with surrender to God and to God's good will. Living supernaturally starts with surrendering to God and God's good will. If you've ever done partner dancing before in your life, or have ever danced with someone, you know that for most dances, there's someone who leads and someone who follows, right? And they both get to dance together. Now, if you ever take dance lessons, what will sometimes happen is that the instructor will need to step in uh, in order to teach you something, and will sometimes dance with you in order to teach you something, and sometimes in order for you to get it, and to the, it's necessary for you to see it from the other side of the partnership. So for example, if you are a leader, if you lead normally in dance, more or less, uh, you, you kind of have to switch to this, and that's really hard. If you're used to leading, it's really hard because when you lead, you're used to being assertive, you're used to guiding, you're used to sort of uh, uh, managing the thing, and you have to take a different kind of position. But if you yield to the instructor's leading in that moment, what happens is you will grow in how you dance, and you will dance. You will dance better. If you yield, you will dance. The word surrender can carry some weighty connotations. It can carry connotations of defeat. It can carry connotations of being sort of, of disappearing, of not mattering, of not having any voice or part of the experience, but I want us to think of surrendering when it comes to God's will more as yielding, because I think what's true in life is that if life is a dance, we would rather be the leader than the follower. We would rather push and guide rather than be led and guided, We would rather make plans and directions and decide on things and then invite God to join us and bless it rather than listen for how the Spirit and God are leading and guiding and follow that. But if we yield, we dance. If we yield, we grow. If we yield, we are able to live supernaturally. To live supernaturally, to experience the year of the Lord's favor, we need to let God lead. And it only happens if we yield. It only happens if we surrender. We don't disappear. We don't stop mattering. But we'll dance. After Jesus is baptized, the Scripture says that he follows the spirits leading into the desert for a time of preparation, for a time of trial, and he experiences testing in the desert. The narr- sort of the, the 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 common title for that narrative is the temptations of Jesus. And in that time in the desert, he's invited to consider changing his course. He's invited to to take shortcuts to success, to honor, to glory, to power, and to so much more. But he resists. He stays the course. Living supernaturally is refined through following and through faithfulness. When we venture into the path of living supernaturally, we'll get prompts, we'll experience moments where we are invited to follow the Spirit's leading and at the same time, and this is true not just of living supernaturally, but of all of life, we will experience invitations to stray, to take matters into our own hands, to take shortcuts, to grasp for things instead of receiving them from God, but we grow in living supernaturally. We are refined in living supernaturally when we follow the Spirit's leading, when we heed his promptings, and we're strengthened when we stay the course in the face of everything that invites us to stray from it, to pull away. It is in that power, the power of the Spirit that's been that's been established and refined as Jesus has been baptized, and then has he stayed faithful and followed the Spirit's leading. It is in that power that he returns. To Nazareth. He returns as one who's surrendered to God's will. He returns as one who's followed the Spirit's promptings. He returns as one who's remained faithful in the midst of invitations to take shortcuts and acquire things quickly, but through the wrong paths. He returns. Friends, we can do those kinds of things. We can yield. We can surrender to God's and God's goodwill. We are able to... To follow the Spirit's leading. We can remain faithful in the midst of temptations. We can do those things, which means we can operate in the power of the Spirit. Now hear me. I, don't, I, don't, I know that none of us get it right all the time. I know that none of us get it right all the time. Even so, there's grace. Even so, we can try again. We see the earliest followers of Jesus living this way. They yield to God's goodwill. They follow the Spirit's leading, and we see evidence of them living supernaturally throughout the pages of Scripture. We hear it or read about it in the stories of Christians throughout history. They lived supernaturally, and we're going to tell some of their stories in the weeks to come. We can live supernaturally too. And the power of the Spirit, Jesus says, uh, Jesus establishes that the year of the Lord's favor is at hand. Now, here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is that it's not just a year because Jesus sends his spirit to be with everyone who calls on him as savior and Lord. First of all, it lasts more than a year in Jesus' life, but Jesus sends his spirit to be with his people. And by sending his spirit to be with us, Jesus transforms the year of the Lord's favor into the age of the Lord's favor. And we are living in that age The age of the Lord's favor. Every follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit. Every one of us can and has been made to live supernaturally. And here's what that means, friends it means that the Holy Spirit is upon us. The Holy Spirit is upon us like it was. For Jesus, God has given us lives to live in a particular way. We have been invited to live in a particular way, a way that the Holy Spirit leads us into. We have been commissioned. Now, it's certainly not going to be the exact life that Jesus lived, but it's also not going to be diametrically opposed. It's going to be in step with the way Jesus lived. There is still, friends, good news to be proclaimed to the poor, whether they are materially poor or poor in other ways. They still need to hear, they still need to experience that they are cared for and cared about. And here's the thing, we get to be part of that. We get to be part of bringing good news to the poor. There is still freedom for those who are ensnared. Now, one of the lines of thinking about this passage is that when it talks about freedom for the prisoners, the prison that it's talking about is the debtor's prison, meaning the prison where people would be sent to when they couldn't pay off their debt. But Jesus has settled the tab. Jesus has paid the ultimate debts of humanity. There are keys of forgiveness available to open every cell. And we get to be part of that. We get to be part of that, friends. There is still sight for those that are blind. Now, we can take this as a literal thing or as a figurative thing. Both are valid and both were part of Jesus' life. Bringing sight to the blind was one of the signs that Jesus was the Messiah. It's one of the things that confirms that a new era has been inaugurated. Now, there are miracles in the Old Testament, but no one before had given sight to the blind. Jesus living supernaturally is the first one that does it. But the miracles don't end with Jesus. They continue in the first century with the disciples, and we hear about them throughout history as well. Jesus' teaching, Jesus' life opened people's eyes to new ways of thinking, new ways of living, new understandings of truth. And just like there is still need for miracles, there is still need for people's eyes to be opened to new ways of living and new ways of thinking, and we get to be part of that. There is still freedom for those who are being crushed by the weight of opposition. There is adversity in this world. There are forces and people and things that come against us. But there is no adversary that is stronger than Jesus. And there is nothing that can defeat the power that was had on the cross and in the resurrection. Jesus wins the battle. People need to receive and experience that victory and we get to be part of that. People can still live in the Lord's favor, and there's still need for that. There's still need for nearness with God, for understanding of belovedness, for receiving his blessing, for becoming the people we were made to be, for bringing lasting good to those around us. And we get to be part of that, but we can't do it if we're not living supernaturally. We can't do it if we're not following the Spirit's lead. We can't do it if we don't yield to God and His goodwill. We can't do it if we don't resist the temptations. We can't do it if we don't remain faithful. I have a friend uh, who grew up in Broadnax, Virginia, and uh, around his late teenage years, he had a radical encounter with Jesus and committed himself to this kind of living, to the things that it says in this passage. He's got an activist heart, so he has quite literally been he has quite literally been about the work of bringing good news to the poor, of feeding and helping the homeless, of working globally to bring an end to human trafficking and, and the types of modern-day slavery that still exist. And he's been developing and mentoring people into that for decades now. It's been a part of his life. And one of the things that he talks about, when he mentors and he develops them is that he consistently reminds them to live supernaturally as they do the work. And he consistently reminds himself to live supernaturally as he does the work. He says that it is so easy in the work of bringing good news to the poor or setting the oppressed free or or bringing freedom to the prisoners or recovery of sight to the blind, all those things. It is so easy to become weary. It's so easy to become exhausted. It's so easy to become bitter. It's so easy to become cynical at the sheer magnitude of the problems, at their persistence, and at the intransigence of certain people for bringing about change. It's so easy to grow hardened when you hear so many of the stories of pain and injustice. He says he would have burned out. He would have become combative in unhealthy ways if it hadn't been for the spirit. That's not just true for him, friends. It's true for us. If we try to live the supernatural life without the Spirit of God, that's what's going to happen to us as well. We'll become hardened, cynical, exhausted. We will give up and give in. We need the Spirit in order to endure in bringing lasting good in the world while remaining whole and healthy. Now, before we get too far ahead in proclaiming and participating In all the things that involve in the year of the Lord's favor, let's make sure we receive them for ourselves as well. See, the Lord's favor is not just something to proclaim to others, to all those around us. It's something to receive for ourselves. So take a moment and consider how you might need to receive this idea of the Lord's favor today. The care, the provision, the freedom that comes for forgiveness, the sight in whatever area we may need it, you may need it, the victory over whatever opposes you, what do you need to receive today? It's available for you. You can receive it. As I close, I want to invite us to consider what it looks like for us to live supernaturally this week. I'm going to put up a number of words that were sort of part of the whole sermon, and I want to invite you to ask the Spirit to share with you what you need to hone in on. It might be something that you need to own for yourself, that you need to receive, it might be something you need to act on. I don't know. There may be more than one. But I'm going to ask you to consider these words surrender, follow, be faithful, commissioned, good news, freedom, sight, oppress no more, the Lord's favor, receive, proclaim. And I'm going to add participate because it's not just about speaking. The good things about God, it's about being part of bringing them to bear. Which, ones of them, which one of them are for you? Which ones of them are for you? What are you going to do with them this week? How are you going to yield to God's goodwill? How are you going to follow the Spirit's leading? Or will you need to resist? I'm going to pray. And after I'm done praying, the worship team is going to lead us in song. If a word comes, if it feels like something is calling out to you, make sure you keep a hold of it. Write it down, put it in your phone, whatever you need to do, and continue to engage in it with this week. And I'll say what, I've said, what I said last year during the Holy Spirit series, is if questions come up, if you have doubts or concerns, if you need to process something, please reach out. For many of us, living supernaturally is going to feel new. There's help. Let me pray. Come, Holy Spirit. You're the one who leads us into truth. You are the one who guides. You are the one who convicts. You are the one who speaks. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's a picture. Sometimes it's a word. Sometimes it's a nudge. Your children here are looking for you, God. They're looking for you, Spirit. Speak to us now. Communicate to us. Lord, some of us need to receive. May we open our hands, open our heart, open our soul to receive what we need. Open our minds. Some of us need to proclaim. May you loosen our tongues. Some of us need to participate. Give strength to our hands. Bring what we need, Lord. Bring your power. Bring your presence. Guide us in your purpose.